This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. Any response that we have that provokes or pushes our buttons is usually about something else. In many cases, our intense responses point not to the surface, but to a minefield far below it. This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. It's extraordinary how if you truly choose to reframe life's challenges as opportunities, some of your deepest wounds can be healed in the most unexpected ways. So for me, the ultimate challenge of my psyche, my vanity, was put to rest permanently two years ago in the most unusual way. Let me explain. So Momentum asked me to go to a photo shoot and get some decent headshots that they could use as promotion when I went and spoke or podcast. And they asked for shots that had some movement in them, some that felt like they were alive and not your standard beauty shots. So, and any of you who have met me know, my face is kind of rubbery, right? I have a rubber face and I have certain little ticks that make people laugh. And they often imitate me. For example, I'm always taking off and putting on my glasses, taking them off, putting them on, taking them off, as if after wearing them for five years now, I still can't believe I need them. I also do this thing where I kind of pluck at the front of the skirt or whatever I'm wearing, and I sort of pull at it. And I've had people come up to me after I speak and tell me really kindly, you know, you were pulling at your skirt as you spoke. It can be distracting. And I reply as I always do with full exposure and transparency. Yes, I say, I know. It's a tick. I have OCD, and I can't seem to help it. But my issues about being photographed are not based in my OCD. They rest entirely in the land of vanity and ego. Now, granted, ego is often an inverse but equal expression of insecurity. And in my case, That is a fact, because from as early as I can remember, I have felt unattractive, especially unphotogenic. Oh, I knew that in person I could charm and distract you. I know that in person I can project my soul, so you'll find my face, you know, more pleasing to look at. But in a still photo, well, that's another story. Jewish wisdom from King Solomon's book of Proverbs, called in Hebrew Kohelet, writes, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The word that is translated as vanity is actually, in Hebrew, hevel, which is closer to the word nothingness, or breath, or even vapor. So, what it's saying is, nothingness, nothingness, all is nothingness, or vapor, vapor, all is vapor, or all is a puff of breath. So instead of this sentence implying that life is purposeless, instead of it demoralizing us and making us feel like all our yearnings are pointless, it reminds us that in the grand scheme of life, all our petty concerns and fears are really like vapor. They just dissolve into nothingness. 
that most of what we worry about is a pointless exercise in wasted energy, that only connecting to our souls and recognizing that all is from God, that our job is just to be righteous and decent, and apart from that, folks, it's all a bunch of hot air. So in Amish cultures, it's believed that photographs in which people can be recognized violate the biblical commandment, thou shalt not make into thyself a graven image. You see, they want to be remembered by the lives they lived and the examples they left, not by physical appearance. And during a shiva, the seven days of mourning, after a death, the mirrors in the shiva house are covered. This reminds us that this time is not about us, but about the deceased. Vanity is shunned to make space for focus on our inner experience, not our outer shell. And the Zohar teaches that looking in mirrors too much leads to arrogance and gives power to various evil spirits. But my endless checking in the mirror did not lead to arrogance. I would study my reflection, my hair's position, my makeup, and my facial expression to ensure that I looked, in my mind, the least hideous. I imagined that if I could capture the moment where I said to myself, okay, that's not too bad, then all would be okay. And you know, when I look at images of myself from over the years, I see that I always had that deer-in-the-headlights expression, like frozen and lifeless. I was posing to try and capture some perceived position of what was acceptable. You know, when I was in my late teens, I used to go to the clubs, or what we called in those days the discos. And the way it worked in those days was that women sat at these little small tables around the dance floor and men stood at a long bar behind us. And you would just sit there and wait for a guy to ask you to dance. Now, occasionally, a few brave women would get up and dance together. That's very normal. It's You know, that's the way it is these days. But back then, women, you waited and waited and waited. And every four or five songs would be the slow set. A couple of ballads that were usually Motown or maybe the odd Donna Summer. And those songs were the key to your potential to slow dance with someone, to maybe meet someone that special someone who might ask you out and you'd never have to go to the clubs again. You'd be the chosen one, the girlfriend, the girl who had a boyfriend. And if no one asked you to dance, you might go to the bathroom so that you didn't appear rejected. So as soon as those slow songs began, I would go directly to the ladies' room. I didn't want to be seen, even taking a risk at rejection. I'd stand in the mirror, and I would fix my bangs, patting on them, sort of arranging them, redo my lipstick, my concealer. I would check to see that the face that I had once found attractive enough to leave the house hadn't somehow morphed or melted into the face that no one would ever want to dance with. I used to call it the suicide set because it felt like social death to be sitting there at a table when everyone else had been asked to dance. But I regret. Back to the Momentum promo shots. When those shots came in, I sat online with the marketing people looking at them. They had chosen a bunch that they thought were perfect, and needless to say, I was having a really, 
really hard time because any shot that felt natural or animated or unposed, my head thrown back, laughing, they were repellent to me. Not those, I begged. Please, not that one. I look ridiculous. That one's insane. I look like a lunatic. Please, please, no. And I pushed back and I pushed back and I cajoled and I even got angry and hostile. And I hung up the phone unhappy. And then I remembered something that had carved a deep neural pathway within me after years and years of studying Jewish character development and having years and years of therapy. Any response that we have that provokes or pushes our buttons beyond, let's say, 4 out of 10 on the aggravation meter is usually about something else. Like the top of the carrot poking out of the garden, like the tip of the iceberg buried miles beneath the sea, in many cases, our intense responses point not to the surface, but to a minefield far below it. Oh gosh, I thought, this is not about the pictures. Why am I so annoyed? Why am I feeling so betrayed by people who want only the best for me? And then... In that still, small voice, my soul whispered, This is because of your vanity. This is because of your self-loathing. This is because you're way too attached to your physical image. If you are truly an evolved soul, you would be less triggered by an image of your face and more concerned about the quality of your character. You must do the right thing here and act as if. Let it go. Let them choose. This is an opportunity to manifest trust and maturity and to live like the sole first person that you want to be. So I called them back and I apologized. Use whatever you want. Sorry I was so testy, I said, and then... I trust your expertise in these matters. And then I let go. I turned away from the mirror. I became the camera, not the lens. I moved forward on addressing the matter of my vanity, and I congratulated myself on taking, however uncomfortable it was, a step in the right direction. Last month, I got a whole new set of promo shots done, and I love them all, especially the animated ones, because they're not my trigger place anymore. I did the work. This week, can you ask yourself what your greatest trigger spots are and check to see what's growing beneath the surface? Can you attempt to pull out the problem at its roots instead of just mowing over it or mowing over the person or the situation that provoked it? Can you take a mental picture of who you want to be in the world and then use that as your source of reflection? Because if you do, I promise you, those triggers will diminish and eventually disappear. And you will never take another bad photo of yourself because you'll see the light of your soul illuminating you and it will become the greatest filter of beauty. 
Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.